Welcome to the Seasonal Living Mamas podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I'm joined by Danielle Allen, and we are going to chat all everything. Well, Danielle is. I am going to listen everything about the Enneagram, and um, you know she's an Enneagram coach and consultant, and she helps leaders build self-awareness while discovering their innate leadership style through the Enneagram. So welcome to the show, Danielle. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to chat about this. I have not had anyone talk about the Enneagram on the podcast. And so maybe the first question would be, you know, what is the Enneagram and why why is it so popular right now, do you think? Yeah, so the Enneagram is a, what we call it is a personality typing tool. It really measures not your personality, but your inner motivations, like why you do what you do. So that could be your strengths, but also when your strengths are overdone, they can point out kind of where you where you are have blind spots. So I think it's really popular because people really want to know about themselves and knowing about ourselves helps us to lead better, show up better, build better relationships. And so all of that is our applications for the Enneagram. So that's where I think the popularity has come in. Ooh. So if you take it, like primarily, if maybe you've taken it, I know I've taken a few times because I kept forgetting what yeah. number I was. Yeah. Can you get different numbers each time? Or like how solid is it that you're pretty much going to get the same number no matter how many times you take it? Yeah. Well, um, the tests are not 100% accurate. So which is Ooh. why the Enneagram coaching industry has kind of like blossomed. Um, so you can get different numbers. You can okay. actually, the tests are measuring your behaviors and so I think where we get stuck a lot on personality tests is we focus on the behaviors of each type instead of that core motivation and that core fear of each type. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, a lot of times you can get different numbers. So I always tell people to look at the core motivation of each type, the core fear and the core desire and see what resonates. So you'll, the thing is, is we all have all nine types in us but we only have one dominant type. The dominant motivation that really drives us is the one you're looking for. So really it takes a lot of kind of a journey of self-awareness plus taking those tests um, that can help you find your type. Ooh, that's interesting. So someone's listening in there like, ooh, should I go take a test right now? Like press pause on the episode before they continue yeah. listening. Yeah. Where would people go to take this test? Yeah. So my favorite test is the ready test. It's um, at the Enneagraminstitute.com. That one I f- find is really pretty accurate. Um, it comes really close when I do um, coaching with my clients. It's $12 to take that test. They have a free version. So just Google free ready, R-H-E-T-I, and you'll find it free ready. Um, and then one of the gals I trained with, she does a free test that I think is pretty good. And she's at your Enneagramcoach.com and I can get you the info so you can put it in the show notes, but yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. I'm just like sitting here writing it down. Your Enneagramcoach.com. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Well, see, that's great to know. Cause I know I've taken it a few times and yeah. um, I don't know if, I think I just Googled and the first thing that popped up yeah. Um, was the one that I took, but yeah. there are so many, um, you know, different yeah. variations because, you know, I do Ayurveda and there's so many different dosha mm-hmm. quizzes that you can potentially have too. And it's kind of the same premise as we have all three in us, but just in varying amounts. And so that's yeah. where um, it's kind of interesting to see how all yeah. of this fits together. Because when I read through mine, um, like the last time I think I got a four, although I've been told by many people, they don't think I'm a four. They thought I was like a nine. And so, oh, okay. Oh, okay. So, yeah. um, 
like when I was reading through, I'm like, okay, I can see how these fit in with the doshas and then whether you're imbalanced with the dosha mm-hmm. can kind of go into this Enneagram. And um, I love that just kind of that self-awareness piece. Cause really at the end of the day, it's just being aware about what's going on with you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, I was, I was saying interesting for your numbers cause there's, they can have some similar qualities for a nine. So, Oh, we'll okay. Yeah. Oh, yes. yes. Okay. So I want to kind of dive in through it and just kind of walk sure. us through each of the numbers. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you want to start, um, you know, maybe even just telling people how many numbers there are right. that are like brand new to the test and then yeah. kind of walk us through them. Yeah. So there's nine types. They all have a number. So if you've like seen Enneagram stuff, there's a number and then there's a name for each of the types. And one of the things I like to say is all the numbers are neutral. So those of us who are more competitive want to be the higher number. You don't, you don't win anything by being the nine. So it's one through nine. Uh, So yes, I know. So, um, so yeah, so there's nine types. I'll just maybe start with the one. Um, If you've seen the symbol is a kind of a round circle that uh, as an open end at the bottom. So um, I won't go through the order that you see the diagram in, but the type one is called the reformer. And they tend to be um, conscientious, orderly, um, ethical. Uh, they can be judgmental when they're not doing really well. Um, the idea behind this is they are, are driven to, to be good. So each type has like this driver Um, what they want to show up as. And so they want to be good. And so that leads to some perfectionism for them. And so, but their great strengths is is they bring order out of chaos. They're kind of the thing that gets overdone is they, a lot of black and white thinking, a lot of, I just need to perfect this before I put it out in the world. So they can, that can slow them down or keep them from trying new things kind of thing. But um, they just like to get things done and they're detail oriented and we all need a one in our life. Uh, in my mind, I'm not a one, so I could use a one. They catch the typos, they catch the mistakes, they make sure everything looks great and it's yes, going I great. Yes, I need that so. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, so that's the one. And their core fear is they're really wired for justice. So their core fear is um, mistakes, making a mistake or being criticized for a mistake. So that's part of you know their persona. So Okay. Mm-hmm. So... Type twos. Are we ready for type twos? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so I'm just going to flip through these um, so we can get kind of an overview. So the type two is called the helper, and they are thoughtful, generous, demonstrative. Um, They can be people pleasers there. Um, I didn't talk about this. If you do any study, the the nine types are broken into uh, triads of three, and they're in this triad called the heart center where they're focused on finding love and value by being finding their significance. So for twos, they move into helping other people. And when they do this, they can sometimes overhelp or help just in their minds unconsciously to find value and significance. And so uh, one of the downsides of that when they overdo it is they really want to be appreciated for the help they give. And so when they don't get appreciated, they really kind of lose it a little. So <laughs> lose their social graces. But they're they're very they're known for loving and helping. And so in their healthier places, they are the people you want on your team to help and connect with people. Um, all the heart triads, the twos, threes, and fours are all uh, very much wired for connection. So that is the two. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so type three, that's my type, and they are called the achiever. 
And so they are also people pleasers in the sense that they want to look successful. So how they kind of handle this need for significance and drive for significance is they uh, pay attention to their image and if people are respecting them and then being efficient. So they are people who um, get things done. So they're goal oriented, get things done. They move quickly. Um, they do focus on their um, outward appearance a lot and just appearing successful to other people. So these are people who like to be in front of people. They're known as the chameleon of the Enneagram because they have this um, inner radar where they can kind of know what people need them to show up like, and then they can they kind of change their outward image to fit in and be um, respected because respect is a big deal for them, respect, admiration, efficiency. So um, overdone, they can run people over. So goals and getting things done become more important <laughs> than their people sometimes, right? So they, they tend toward workaholism, they tend toward um, wanting to get everything done and, um, and not being real vulnerable because they don't like to be exposed by anything they have that image to protect. So that is really the three, um, the three persona for sure. So, but they're, they're driven by this to actually find value and significance in the eyes of others. So their idea, like similar to the two, wanting that love and value, but they do it by getting things done and achieving things. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I know. I can see, so. I'm like, oh, I could see different people. Right. You know, and that's why people, like, oh, yeah. it's hard to turn off it. Like ethically, you don't want to guess because it's all inner motivation, not yeah. the outward, mm. but it's hard to turn off when you're meeting people or they start saying things. You're like, Oh, like that is similar to the three. Um, so okay. interesting. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the four, so you mentioned possibly a four, the four mm -hmm. is called the individualist also in that heart triad. So they are strong connectors. Um, but different in that they see uh, finding value and significance by being unique or special. And so they do a lot of, they want to be authentic in their feelings and how they show up. And so they want to be um, kind of uh, deep connectors, emotional. They tend to really, um, they don't mind the sad feelings. And one of the things I love about fours is they can usher the rest of us into grieving and sadness a little bit better. Like, some of these types actually suppress those negative feelings. And so they are really great at sitting with their friends and or their people in grief and sadness. Um, where they get into trouble is um, they are focused on what they're missing. So they, in any situation, they're focused on what they're missing out on and envy. Um, so they tend to compare and feel like they don't have what everyone else has and they start to feel flawed. Um, so for all three of those types, they struggle with comparison in some way, and they have that special radar. The fours use it to see if they're being rejected by anyone. So they want to they want to fit in, but they want to be special. So, <laughs> but they are are deep feelers. They tend to be all the types can be creative, but they tend to be more creative um, and soulful. And um, so it's just a fun. I think fours are really fun in the sense of. Um, they just know how they feel and they're not afraid to express that. They can hold things up because they want everyone to address the feelings and feel connected before like on a team moving forward. So that's so interesting. Not, yeah. Yeah. So that's the four. Okay. Now I have a quick question. Yeah. When you go through these like, because I feel like even in different phases of my life, I'm like, Oh, I felt like now not anymore. I wouldn't, but like, yeah. Uh, 10 years ago, like the three, I totally could relate to that. But like mm -hmm. that I've just, it's, that's a different part of me or evolution. And now I yeah. definitely much more four than three. Yeah. And so can you evolve like that through these? 
Uh, so I, I well, not in order per se, right? Just you know, like so your type, your dominant type tends not to change. So most okay. teachers teach one of two things, which is your type forms when you're like five or six, oh. right? So from something like for me, I feel like it wasn't really like someone intentionally did anything to me, but adults would say things. And then I, in my mind said, this is a, all the types are a coping strategy for thriving in the world. So in my mind, the Mm. coping strategy of the three is I have to get things done to feel successful and have people love me. Right. So somewhere in my younger years, that message came through, even though maybe it wasn't intentional. And then I started adopting it and then it gets reinforced by, because it's really a lens through which you see the world. So but the idea behind it is that's an adjusted self. And then the point of the Enneagram is to become your most authentic self. So as you grow in emotional health and self-awareness, you should be shedding some of those things and not look quite like the poster child of your type. Okay. Okay. And, and so for you, if you're truly a four, there also are things called wings. So the numbers on either side of you are called wings. And um, so you can take on some of those traits, like I can take on the parts of the four and parts of the two. So okay. um, usually I have a dominant wing as well, but um, you can actually have access to both of them. Um, so that's one thing to think of. And then most of the teachers, including me, would say, if it feels confusing, you should look back to about when you were 20. Because when you were 20 was kind of the raw, unfiltered. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No one wants to go back there. But oh, it really is like you weren't super self-aware. So what, who were you then? Uh-huh. That's probably uh-huh. your dominant. And then you've probably grown through that and taken on some other numbers. And there's some other things we probably don't have time to get into, but there's numbers, you qualities you take on in stress and in growth from across the Enneagram diagram. So um, those aren't the numbers next to you per se, but um, for instance, the three takes on tra- traits of the nine, unhealthy nine when they're stressed and the healthy six when they're growing. So some of those things can, that's why it's a little bit of a confusing system, but yeah. once you get it, it's very eye-opening and can really help you in your own self-development and personal development. It just really can help you become a healthier version of you. So. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for asking that. That's a great question. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, now I'm curious as you go through the rest and be like, okay, yeah. like so far, definitely at 24 is probably what I was, but I'm going to okay. hear the rest of them and see what okay. we got. All right. So the five, so the five moves us into um, a new grouping of the triads. So the five, six, and sevens are all um, in the head triad. So they make their decisions with their head, with their brain, and they all have a co- common core struggle with anxiety of some sort. They just all handle it differently. So The five is called the investigator or the observer. And their kind of message that they heard was that the world is unsafe and um, they had to minimize their needs because the world couldn't take care of their needs. So they tend to be um, highly focused on knowledge and wisdom that's really important to them. And they're perceptive, insightful, intelligent. They can make great visionaries because they can come up with these new ideas because they're in their head a little bit more. Um, What they're afraid of is running out of resources. So you'll see Mm -hmm. with the fives is that they're focused on, do I have enough energy for this? Do I have enough people energy? Do I have enough financial energy? They're big researchers. So if you know someone who, um, you know, reads 3 million consumer reports before buying something that my mom, (laughs) that might be a five. One of the things about the fives is they start, every one of us starts with a hundred percent 
tank and our battery, right? Like in the day, five start with 20%. So they run mm-hmm. out sooner and they tend to need a little bit more recharging space, personal time, man caves, what, whatever. And they're, you know, they're just investigators. They like to learn new things. They're constant learners. And um, yeah, so that is the five. But the anxiety is driven by what am I going to run out of? What can I mm-hmm. run out of? Um, and so that that's their anxiety and how they deal with it. So this, so their neighbor, the six is called the loyalist and they actually, their anxiety is probably, um, all about about fear. So they fear fear itself typically. And, um, and so they tend to, most sixes have a lot of questions, a lot of doubts. They tend to, um, focus on what could go wrong in any situation, whether it's a work team or at home or, and then they try to prepare around that so they can be highly detail oriented. Their great strength is analytical problem solving. Like they are your problem solvers. They're great to have on a team because they're asking questions no one else is asking. Um, one of the other struggles they tend to have sometimes is that they don't have, uh, they doubt their own decisions. So they like the reinforcement they're from other people. So they're looking for support, guidance, and safety. And so they will, a lot of times at work, they'll, you know, make sure they're doing it right with their boss. You know, they'll kind of have that constant check-in. Um, and they just, you know, they're just a little bit more fearful that that's where the anxiety comes in for them. Um, and most are surprised that everyone doesn't struggle with the same thoughts that they have. They're thinking constantly. They're very smart and they're thinking constantly. And so um, that's where their strength gets overdone. The analytical problem solving gets overdone to um, what do we need to be prepared for? here that maybe, you know, there's some things that they may think of that may never happen. So, um, so that's, that's the six and that's how they deal with the, the anxiety. But like I said, they are great problem solvers. I have a, one of my closest friends is a six and, um, you know, how she handles things is different, but it's helpful to me for sure. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, cause I don't think of anything that could go wrong. Cause I kind of, I'm like a cat. I can jump on my, you know, land on my feet. So it's good to have someone there thinking through those things for me. So, um, all right. Oh. So the seven is also in that analytical, but our anxiety triad, they actually handle it differently. Most sevens called the enthusiast would never even think that they have anxiety. Um, so their anxiety relates to their feelings. So they like everything to be joyful, optimistic, happy, and their anxiety relates to feeling feelings that are negative or negative circumstances. They don't want to get stuck there. So um, what they do is they tend to be playful. They bring the party. They're really highly focused on fun. They love telling stories. Um, They create new uh, opportunities, circumstances, situations to avoid anything negative. So, um, so your type seven friends are probably a lot of fun to be around life of the party, um, they can be scattered and aren't great executors a lot of times. They can be, but they tend to, you know, they have an idea here. They have great new ideas and then an idea, you know, they'll get distracted by the next new idea and never like circle back. So, um, so they love spontaneity. This is my wing and I'm oh. laughing because I have friends who are like, like what you just said, like the ideas are scattered. I was like, oh gosh, yeah. they're, they're going to be like that. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So that's, you know, that's part of it. So, um, just a quick correction though. Wings are only on either side. So like if you're Ooh. four, yeah. So you can have a seven wing, but you'd have to be an eight or a six. Well, how the heck? Yeah, but there are stress arrows, which we don't have time to get into, but okay. um, I, you know, like we can talk, you know, that I am now, I'm website. so curious. I'm yeah. going to like see if I wrote this 
down. But I swear I was yeah. a seven wing or maybe I oh. was a seven. Okay. Now I'm very so, so it's all about that core motivation. So for them, it really is about avoiding that negative, those negative feelings. And so that's why they keep it positive, optimistic. So that's where you have to look at that core because, you know, I actually test as a three, then a seven, but they are nothing alike, right? Because yeah. threes get things done, sevens, like it's spontaneous. Mm -hmm. So part of it is like looking at some of the deeper levels of the Enneagram to kind of say, okay, what is the core motivation when you're looking at life in general and the lens through how you show up um, will really be helpful. You could still have some of these traits um, and a couple other the types have those traits like fours. Some fours could be more, a little more spontaneous and random. So that could be, you know, if you're still thinking four or the two can have this and the nine. So thinking through, they're not as uh, task oriented types, um, those guys. So I'm gonna, yeah. I'm going to retake the quiz when we're done. So now All I'm right. Like, and then I'll yes. let you know what I was. Yeah. <laughs> Again. Um, yeah. So that's the seven and um, they are so fun to be around. And yet, um, you know, sometimes when they're scattered, our, us task oriented people are like, what is happening? What's happening right now? I don't, I don't know how to deal with this. So, yeah. All right. So um, now the eight, nines and ones, and I didn't mention this for the one, but they are in a, a separate triad now. So they are people who are gut are like do everything from their instincts and their gut. And so they're action oriented. They move um, into action typically with the exception. There's always one in each triad that suppresses that kind of idea. So, um, but the eight is in that triad and then they're the protective challenger. So um, they are, these guys are the most assertive on the Enneagram out of all the nine times. They are assertive, self-confident. They tend to be intense. They're big hearted. They stand up for the underdog. They actually see themselves as being strong and powerful and they find vulnerability weak. So they really struggle to be vulnerable. They typically find a few trusted people to be vulnerable with and the rest are kind of getting that strong exterior. They can actually enter a room and take over a meeting even if they're not in charge <laughs> without even thinking about it. Like they don't realize they're doing it and they can be intimidating to a lot of the other types without thinking mm -hmm. about that either because they're, they're just moving into action. They, um, they act first um, for themselves and their, their strong desire is um, to, they don't like to be controlled. So they want to be in control. So they don't mm -hmm. necessarily want to control you, but they want to make sure they're not being controlled themselves. And so their fear is that they will not be betrayed. And typically, not always, but typically a type eight has had some kind of betrayal a little more to form that type over the rest of the types in my mind. But that's, that's what I like to say is Alan, not necessarily Enneagram theory. So, <laughs> so yeah, so that's the eight. They can be intense, but they can also be really big hearted. So in health, they start to look like a two where they serve a little bit more. Um, and they, like I said, they love um, to be authentic and genuine and show up for their people and stand up for people. So um, one of the things about dealing with an eight though, is they don't want you to be subtle or like, um, just rip the bandaid off and tell them what you need to say. <laughs> they just want you to be direct just like they are. So, and that can be hard for a lot of us because we, we are not used to, that's not how we want to receive. So we don't give to them, but that really speaks their language. So. Oh yes. I've had, mm -hmm. I had a boss who was just like this and it took a little bit before I was like, okay. Like, cause I'm just not used to having a female boss who was just like, oh, nope, 
lay it on me. I was like, no, yeah. no beating around the bush. And she said, she even said, she's like, I'd rather ask you about you and you, you tell me, I don't want to be vulnerable with you. Like, I'd rather have you not ask yeah. about me at all. And I was like, oh, yeah. that's funny. Cause I'm used to being like, oh, how are you doing? She's like, don't want to talk about me. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a mark of an eight. Like they, they can, you know, ask you all the questions and yes. not really be vulnerable about their own story yes. um, because they're just not comfortable going there. It's really hard. Like I have a good friend who's an eight and when I see her being vulnerable, it's like I'm cheering her on because I know that's a challenge for her. Yeah. yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. it's so interesting. Yeah. All right. One last type is yeah. the type nine. They are the peacemaker. Um, and typically they sit on the top of the Enneagram if you ever see a diagram of it, but they are um, thoughtful, reassuring, um, receptive. They are non-judgmental. Like they want to be inclusive and bring everyone in. They, um, they actually want to just keep the peace. They, their goal is to have harmonious relationships and um, they make great mediators because they can see all sides of any argument. Um, and they tend to be calm and reassuring. Like I personally, I'm so drawn to nines because I feel like they keep me a little bit more grounded when I'm starting to freak out. Um, the, when they overdo that, they actually fall asleep to themselves. So a lot of times they don't know what their thoughts, feelings, opinions are. And what they do is they end up merging with people, their important people in their life. So if, you know, someone had a strong opinion in their life, they would just say, yeah, I agree with that. Instead of really because they've fallen asleep to what they really think. They don't always know. So that's kind of the inner work of the nine is to really wake up and be um, intentional about who they are, what they think, and then expressing that. Um, they fear that they, um, their biggest kind of the childhood message or the thing they need to hear is that their, their presence matters to us. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the other thing is when they are stressed, they actually um, kind of numb out. So they find something to numb out about, whether it's TV, it could be shopping, it could be sleeping. One night I know she told me that she had has big fights with her husband and then she goes right to sleep and he's up going, we just had this big fight. Can we talk? <laughs> <laughs> and she's out cold. Um, and it can be exercise too. It depends on the nine. Um, they tend to be a little bit more, um, they like to know their expectations, but they tend to be a little bit more random by themselves, they both both sides of their wing, their one wing or their eight wing can make them a little more detail oriented though. So it just depends on kind of your makeup and what you lean on. So, but that's the nine. So that's all nine times. Mm. Yes. And I can see, I can see after describing the nine, why people would think that. Cause I'm like, okay, I'm like, I can relate yeah. to some of that. Not all, but yeah. some. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if people are listening, they're like, well, how, what do I do with this information? Like, how do you have people apply this maybe in their daily life? Yeah. So I think the first thing is self-observation. I think a lot of times when we catch ourselves doing something, um, we judge it. And so mm-hmm. one of the recommendations is to welcome it without judgment, to just get to know yourself. I think after that, um, one of the things I love about the Enneagram is it can really help us know when we're moving into stress before we actually realize it a little bit like it when you pay attention to your type and like what you do is strengths like tap into your strengths but also um understanding when you're overdoing like pay attention to the warning signs right and so then you can start to implement some self-care practices like for me for as a type three i don't rest very often so i've been implementing intentional rest and knowing that i don't have to get everything done to be you know valued and loved. Those are all things that I've been intentional about. And then the other piece I really feel like has helped me is really if you have a group of friends to learn it together, 
because it's really helped me with my other relationships to understand like my type six friend, this is what she's trying to do. Um, she's trying to alleviate her anxiety. It gave me way more compassion for her um, with all the planning she does and all the overthinking than just not knowing that. So really understanding your people can be a second step to really improving your relationships and your communications. There's so many levels to the Enneagram. So once you start learning about it, I mean, there's levels of how each type likes to communicate, what can activate conflict, what can help them grow, um, the you know, what happens when they're in stress. That's all stuff that can really help you become the best version of you. So um, that's what I usually tell people and just start small. Um, so like, if you haven't heard of it before, you know, just do some investigation that Enneagram Institute has so much good info on their site. And if you take that test, you get a printout of your top three, um, which is really helpful information. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, if people are like, how can I work with you, Danielle? How can people kind of get in contact with you? Yeah. So I offer kind of a free uh, phone, 30 minute phone consultation to see if we're a right fit and the Enneagram is right for you. So they can go to my website, um, onefootcoaching, all spelled out, dot com. So onefootcoaching.com, they can sign up for that free session. We do it over Zoom and, um, and just see, like, is it of interest? And then how it works um, for sure. And then if you're in the Twin Cities, I have a workshop coming up on February 18th in Osseo, um, also on my website. So you can come um, and just do like an hour and a half workshop on the overview, get more information and go from there. So Perfect. Um, my, well, one quick question too about the, the coaching. Is it like a, a one-time coaching or how does yeah. the Enneagram coaching or is it like yeah. a three-month commitment or what does that look like? That is a good question. I didn't explain. So I do a one-time typing session that um, I give, I actually administer the $12 test to you. Um, you come for 90 minutes um, via Zoom and I do a um, overview of the Enneagram I do some, a typing interview to kind of narrow down for you, like which one is really your type. Um, and then I do a deep dive and do an action plan. Okay, what do I do with this? So that's a one-time typing session. And then I also offer a six-session coaching where we go into each of the aspects of the Enneagram. So we talk about wings and how to really leverage your knowing about your wings, or we talk about stress and growth arrows. And there's something about a defense mechanism. Each type has a defense mechanism. So we talk about, okay, what's your natural defense stuff? Like, how do you, you know, how do you be self-aware and then also use that and grow through that? So, um, so that's a six session. And then I do, um, I do offer um, a six month um, package where if you really just want to keep growing um, and learning and developing yourself, or I do some transition work like purpose discovery through with the Enneagram, that's where the six, six month session comes in. But um, yeah, that's what I do. Perfect. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for that. Yeah. Cause yeah. I'm just, I am not as familiar with the Enneagram coaching. So I'm like, Oh, that's yeah. cool. And I'm sure someone else is probably thinking too, how much of a commitment is it and right. how so, deep do you want to go? And it's kind of yeah. sounds like it's up to you. Like, where do you want to take it? It is. So a lot of people start with, I usually start with that typing session and that's really informative for people. So a lot of people kind of take that and sit with it before they decide if they want more. Okay. Um, and then, but some people really know they want more. I want to okay. learn more about it or I, I want actually coaching through it so that I can start implementing some of the things. And that's where we get into the six session or the six month. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I love that. And I think if anyone's on their self-development journey and in the process of it, like this is a great tool to have. So you can kind of yes. help, you know, speed up kind of the process by knowing yourself a little more in different areas and how to deal Ab- with it. Absolutely. And then those, you know, application points are different for each type. So mm, yes. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Danielle. I just have uh, one final question. So I like to throw out a little weekly challenge to everyone. Um, when I have a guest on, I have the guest throw out the challenge for the week. So what would you like that challenge to be this week? Yeah, I think go take a test, right? Like go find a test. The ones I recommended are great, but even if you took one that's not one of those, just to start investigating and learning about it is a great way to do that. And usually you get res- some results that kind of explain. So you can kind of start thinking about, is this me? And how do I learn from this? So go take one of the tests. Ooh, perfect. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Danielle. It's been a pleasure getting to chat with you and know a little bit more about the Enneagram. Thanks for having me on. Thank you all and go out there and spread your peaceful power.